Hi, welcome to the shallow dive on the Dafyomi. I hope you enjoy. Subis Yechesmet Beis from the Mishnah. Ha'edim she'amru ksav yadenu uzeh. Witnesses that said, this is our signature. We did sign our signature, it's correct, but we were under duress. So there's a problem. As she says, being questioned in the court to testify about this document that they signed on. So these witnesses signed on a star, a legal document, and now they are bringing a bringing to light that there's a problem with the document. It was under duress. Or if they say we were minors at the time, we were ineligible to testify. They're believed. If there are independent witnesses that can verify that this is the signature for each aid, correct, this is their signature, we recognize it. So you don't need to come on to the witnesses to validate the document, the ones who signed. You have an independent way. Or if you have another source to compare to, you have their signature from some other document. Since you have an independent means of determining the veracity of these signatures, and therefore the star, this document, so they're not believed to now say we signed, but it wasn't a good signing. Continuing Rashi. We were not eligible to testify. Krovim, we were relatives. Oh, we were gamblers. Some reason that they're not able to be kosher witnesses to testify about the veracity of this transaction. Mishnah says they're believed. Because their signature is not known other than through their own admission. And the rule is that the mouth that presents the issue, the problem, this is the mouth that says it's not a problem. Just like you believe us about this, that we do say it is our xaviat, it's our signature, signatures, but also believe us on this, that there was a problem. Whatever the problem was, they are both presenting the validation and the invalidation of this document. So Pesha also Pesha is a very powerful type of Miklo where they are able to have a, a strong claim to Namonis, to be believed. The safe of the Mishnah where the veracity of the document or the signatures on the document can come from other sources, 
either witnesses or their signatures from other documents. They have another document that has already been verified in the court. And there is a validation written concerning this document. And this document, which we are questioning, comes before the court. And you can look and compare the signatures on this document that we know has been verified with this one that we are unsure about. You see, look, it's the same signature. Whoever signed this signed that. Since they are not the ones that are giving the verification and validation of this document, you don't need them. You have an independent source. So therefore, when they say, yes, it's our signature, but there was a problem, you say, the court will say, you don't have the hasha asa, hasha hita, you don't have this status that you are creating the background and you're believed on this, you should be believed on that. No, we have independent means of determining this is your signature. So when you want to break that and say it's invalid, you're not to be believed. That's the mission. Let's see the Gemara. Amar Rami Barhama. Rami Barhama said, Lo shano ela sha'amru anusim hayinu. Rashi, lo shano. Was not taught in the Mishnah. Di'im ksav yodon yodzim emokam acher e'neamonim. That which was said in the Mishnah. Nesefa, the concluding part of the Mishnah. That the, if you have an independent source to validate this document, you have their witnesses' signatures coming from another document, then they are not believed. So Rami Bacham is qualifying that statement. Where is it true that the Mishnah says, they're not to be believed? That's talking about where they claimed that they were under duress, under the threat of money. Rashi. They don't have the power to establish themselves as wicked with the testimony of their mouth. And to thereby invalidate the document. A person is considered a relative to himself. And essentially, he's testifying about himself. He's saying, what is the testimony at the end of the day? If he's saying, we were under the threat of duress, it was merely financial. So they're essentially saying they were wicked. And they're not believed about that because a person testifying about himself is considered the relative. He's his closest relative. And relatives, as we saw, the type of 
Psuli Edus, Rashi mentions Krovim, Masachat Kovio. There are different types of Psuli Edus. Those were invalid as witnesses. So he is the closest relative to himself. He cannot testify about himself. So he says he's making a confession. We say, get out of here. You are not believed concerning yourself. Not believed about himself as a witness. Not to his benefit, not to his detriment. Concerning matters of a capital case. And for matters of invalid testimony to establish himself as wicked, and he is becoming invalidated through his own testimony. And these witnesses are invalidating themselves. But Omram by their declaration now, they say, yes, we signed, but we signed on a lie. It was a false document. Bishil onis moment, because of the duress of a monetary nature. So therefore, they're not allowed to succumb to this prohibition of the Isra Natara of Edus Sheke. A person is obligated to give up all of his money to avoid violating a love, a biblical prohibition. So they're saying we were under the threat of duress merely on a financial consideration. So to say that they succumbed is testifying to their wickedness. And it's not admissible, it's not believed. And the first clause of the Mishnah, the Reisha is talking about, where they do have a Pesha Asar Pesha Since there's no independent validation of their signatures. We don't know, only through their mouths. So therefore they have this very powerful rationale to be believed. But that's only in the ratio. And the, the ratio is where the Mishnah says, That's where you, you they're believed because there's no independent source to verify that this is in fact their signature. So Rami Brachama says in the Seifa of the Mishnah, the concluding clause of the Mishnah, the Mishnah is only discussing a case. Why are they not believed? Because they are essentially testifying to their own detriment that they are wicked. They succumb to this threat, the duress, only against their money. Not allowed to do that. And therefore, they're not believed. However, says Rami Bahamo, if they were under duress at the threat of death, Nachmas Nefashis, Rashi says, the one who came with this document threatened to kill him. Rashi adds an extra point, and this is a strong person. Not an empty threat. He has the wherewithal to carry it out. Somebody just makes some empty threat. It sounds like Rashi would hold. That's not called nefashas. It has to be that there's a substantial concern that he will carry it out, has the wherewithal to carry it out. 
and it's not an empty threat. Aquaponim, in a case of nefashas. So there, Rami Bracham was saying, it will be believed. Amalei Rava. Rava responds to Rami Bracham. Kol Kamine. Is he within his capacity? Are these signatories on the document, the witnesses, are they in their capacity to do so? Kivan Shegit Shuven Chazor Magit. The rule in testimony is once the witness has given his testimony, it's set in stone. He's not able to backtrack and modify his testimony. Once he spoke, he cannot go back and speak again in, in a manner that contradicts his original statement. Rashi. This concept, once the testimony has been given, there's no modification of it. One testimony, Similarly, in this case, although we're not talking about oral testimony, it's similar. Since they sign on this document, that is considered a form of testimony. How would they be believed to then subsequently uproot that testimony? Since their handwriting, their, their signatures, can be independently verified, not through them, so their testimony stands on its own, how can they then modify their testimony and say, no, there's a problem? So it goes well in the first clause of the Mishnah. When there is no independent form of verification, we need to rely on these witnesses to say that these are our signatures. We're relying on that. It's all considered one testimony. It's considered part of the same statement. They are presenting a whole package. And it's Tokhide Dibor. Meaning the, the frame, the time frame. There's no gaps between the first statement and the second statement. So although it's modifying what they said in the beginning, it is not considered a separate testimony. It's a modification within the same testimony, which is admissible. They right away said, yes, we signed, but we were under duress. That's in the ratio of the mission, the first clause. But in the seifa, we don't need their testimony to say, yes, this is our, these are our signatures. That's not necessary. So once that's not necessary, we have that testimony standing independently. And the concept, should tell us that there are no modifications. And what Rami Barhama said, we were under duress through a concern of financial nature, but not a risk to our lives, that differentiation 
is is being attacked in the Seifa. Rabbi says, once they have testified in the Seifa, where it's the concluding clause, where it's independently known that these are their signatures, so there's no ability for them to make a subsequent modification. The Gemara says, and if you'll say, continuing the thread that Rabbi is presenting as his kasha against Rami Barachama, if you'll say that where do we apply this concept, this dafka, specifically in testimony that is oral, perhaps it is not a valid claim when the testimony comes from a document, from their signatures. That's not the case. Rish says, that witnesses that sign on a document, it is valid as though they were cross-examined, that their testimony was subject to cross-examination and validation in the courts. No differentiation. Once you say it's commission Nechbrai so you cannot present, says Rava, a differentiation between the testimony coming from their signatures and a testimony, an oral testimony, where we say, once he has made his testimony orally, he may not modify it. Also written. Ella, rather, Rava says, ki itmar, when was this statement? That Rami Barachamo is saying, differentiating between duress of a financial nature versus duress, the threat of the lives of the signatories. That's going on the ratio. The first part of the Mishnah says they are believed. And you have the Pesha also Pesha that there's no independent source. For the court to know that their testimony is correct, that their signatures are valid. It's through the witnesses themselves. So then when we said they are believed, that's where Rami Bachama has. This that they are believed is limited. There's a qualification. It's only true when their modification is to say that they are under the threat of loss of life. But if their modification is that they were under duress, the threat to lose their money, then ain't their money. Then they're not believed. My time, what's the reason? A person is not able, not capable of making himself to be considered wicked in the eyes of the court. No confessions. And as we saw, if they say we were under duress, the one who had the star and wants signatures on it was threatening our, our lives, that, that's, at this point we're saying, is kasha v'yasha, but if he says he's going to damage our property, steal our property, whatever it is, even up to the last penny, to do an iser, edus sheker, which is the hanach over here, that it's included in the sanabrecha you're not allowed to give false testimony. 
Can't say Ruben Bard from Shimon were signing on that. Not true. It's false testimony. And it's a lab, biblical prohibition. So they are making themselves into Rashaim with this admission that they signed on a Shekin. They're presenting themselves as testifying falsely against the Torah. So that's where Rami Bahamo made this Kimta, the, the differentiation in the Mishnah. In the Rasha, in the first clause. And the first clause says, He says that's only when the testimony does not subject them to becoming, if you believe it, Rishayim. Because they don't have the Kach to make themselves Rishayim in the eyes of the court. They're not able to establish themselves as wicked. See Rashi, Hani Mili Al Peh. That was the statement we said perhaps. Rabbi says you would think to differentiate between the shtar and the, the, the document and oral testimony. Say, is not applicable, perhaps. That was the Havamina. We thought perhaps it doesn't apply to a written testimony. Classic case is that he's giving oral testimony in court. And then after a while, he wants to change his story. But perhaps by document, not. The the Torah, in describing the inability to modify the testimony, speaks about Haggadah, is a telling over. So perhaps that's where it's fixed and set. But perhaps written testimony would not have that status. Rishlakish tells us no, it does have the same status. It's not taught that we say This is the new version that Rava says. When did Rami Bahamo say that there's a differentiation between what type of ones, what type of duress, El Damri Nachmas Nafashas. It is being limited to the case when they now testify that they were under duress at the threat of loss of life. We were under duress in a manner that does not make them into wicked, if you believe it. Since we are relying on them, Rabbi says, remember Chamo's differentiation is going on the Reisha, not on the Seifa, on the first clause, which is where they are the ones that are providing the validity, confirming that their signature is theirs. Still, there's a problem. A person cannot make himself wicked. So, Rabbi Chamo's Statement is talking about the ratio. Kibon dalayu samchinon. Since we are relying on them, ha besochke dibor akrua. Rashi has a very important point. He alluded to it before, and he says it bepemole here. He says explicitly that right away, within the time frame of tochke de dibor, shomalach and Rebbe, whatever the exact shita is. Rashi is saying, 
almost instantaneously after they made the claim, yes, this is our signature, they uprooted it. This is set aside to their testimony. And the mouth that created the prohibition created the leniency. In this case, said there was a star and invalidated it right away. Rashi is introducing over here qualification that in the ratio where they say, yes, these are our signatures, if they would wait a few moments, scratch their heads and think about it and say, hmm, you know what? Actually, this document, there's a story here. If there was too big of a gap, more than Tokhte Dibo, Rashi would say, no, too late. Kibin Shehigid, Magid. The Pesha also Pesha Hitter does not override the requirement of Tokhte Dibo. It must be that they right away undo what they just did through their testimony. That's what Rashi says. Tosus agrees. Machar the Raman disagrees. Doesn't bring this requirement. Let's continue in the Rashi's. Ain Adam Mesim Atzma Rasha. Ain Adam Naaman Livsalas Atzma. A person is not believed by the court to invalidate himself from his pre-existing status. If he had a he cannot undermine that by his testimony. Because he is related to himself. And a relative is not valid as a witness. Let's see Tosos. They are believed. And if you ask a question, Tosa says, why should they be believed? This should be a problem of a conflict. Very nice. Pesha also Pesha Hite is the most powerful form of Migu. The most powerful form of believability, other than witnesses, witnesses are even more powerful than a miku. Miku mokn edim, it falls apart. Somebody says, "Believe me, I could have said a stronger claim." So trust me, I'm telling you the truth when I say a weaker claim. That is not adequate to over override the power of testimony of witnesses. So how do we say over here, believe them with the Pesha against their original testimony? Then Ansadi, We testify there's a very strong reason to accept this document at face value. We are the witnesses, that they were not under duress, and they were not ineligible to testify. The ha, the kamonamrinam. Proof for this idea, Tosa says. Later we say, treyu It's considered two against two, a deadlock. 
also says, why are we entertaining? Pesha Asa, Pesha Hite, which is a form of Migul, powerful form of Migul, against testimony, full Edus. Vishlamar, Kivon, Ditzrichu, Chachomin, Kiyum, Aha, Machashif Klau, Kiyum, Masha Onrim, Ksavyadeinu, Huzet. Since the sages required that the document here be verified, so there's no real Anan Sahabi, not a full testimony, not the court's testimony. We don't view the document as fully believed, fully true at face value. There's a question. Prove it. Check their, their signatures if it matches other documents that we know are good documents. The need for Kium, the need to validate the document, tells you that it's not a full Eidos. So, therefore, when they say, this is our, these are our signatures, Kivon, since they say, like Rashi qualified, immediately, within the short time frame, of saying, whatever the shear is, Tosus, like Rashi, has this limitation that immediately upon saying, these are our signatures, which should independently create the trust in the part of the court that this is a good acceptable document they then follow that up with something that undermines what they just said they said yeah we signed it but we were minors or we were under duress later it's considered like two witnesses over there you're dealing with a star that already was established and verified. So since the document was verified already, then it has a status of testimony. If you have independent means, you can check their signatures on other documents. So once it has been verified, it is considered like testimony. And you would not say the Pesha Asr Pesha not just because there's no believability on their part. This, they're not useful, so to speak, for making the star considered a true document. But also, and perhaps more fundamentally, Tos is the same. Now the star has the status of Aiden. And he won't say, Amigo, Mokum Aiden. It'll be considered Trey Trey. Consider like two against two. Let's see the next Tosus. Ainamonim. Did not believe. Hachaleko la akshuye delamehemno bemigo. Here, you can't ask a Kasha. No question here that they should be believed with amigo. Literally, the word means with a sense. Since I could have said that, believe me on this. There's no place 
have a migu dibo. Amri, Paru, if they want, they could have said it was paid up. The kibon, meaning that would be a type of migu. Why don't we say that? Why do we say they're not believed when there's independent verification of the star of this document? Say that they don't have to attack it head on. They could have said, yes, it was good and paid up. So therefore, they could have said that. Believe them when they say that it was a problem from the inception. So why is there no migul? This is what Tosos told us before. Since the document has been independently verified, now it has the status of testimony. Could it be rational? As we explained. So Migu is no longer admissible. The Odin further. You have another problem that they are coming to modify what they said. And the rule is, as we saw, not just for oral testimony, but also for written testimony, that once they have given their testimony, they cannot modify it. With two witnesses, you don't say migu. In the Reisha, the first clause of the Mishnah, they are believed because they could have just been quiet. They didn't have to say anything. There's a real Pesha Asa against Ashtar that was not Mekoyim. There's no independent validation of this document. It's coming strictly through these witnesses' testimony. Yes, this is my signature. And he says, yes, that's my signature. So there, they're believed. Next Tosos. Qualification of the witnesses saying, yes, we signed, but we were under duress. Amir Bahama tells us that that is qualified. When do you say that they're not believed? When the testimony was that they were under duress concerning threat of loss of their wealth. They're not believed. Not able to make themselves considered wicked in the eyes of the court. And minors. That's going to see that in the Gemara shortly. The Suli Edus, those who are invalid witnesses. So this is a concern that the lender himself will look into to make sure that this document protects him. As we're going to see shortly. If the witnesses modify what they said, and said, yes, it's our signature, but we're under a life-threatening situation. This guy says, you better sign this document or else. He has the, as we saw in Rashi, the capacity to carry it out. 
threatening their lives. Joseph says, why don't we have another migu for them? Believe them when they say that we were under duress. The threat was to take all our money away. So we caved in. We signed the document. Believe us when we say that because we could have said a better claim that he threatened to kill us. And you'd believe us then. So believe us now when we tell you the truth, even though it's not a pretty claim. Yes, it's uh, aricious, but believe us, we have a migu. In the first clause, there is a migu that they should be believed to say that they are anusim achnas momen. The Loma tells us gives an answer. De ones machnas nefoshes lo shriach. You have tough characters, but it's uncommon for somebody to threaten other people's lives. Doesn't have to go get that violent, usually, so it's uncommon. Interesting, the implication is, and therefore there's a reyes on the migu. It's not such a good migu. To claim something that sounds fantastical is not a good migu. Doesn't sound so believable. Rare. Behold, Vishne Eden, lo amrinamigu kidapishis. Another claim, another point, as Tosas mentioned earlier, you don't have a migu when it's two Eden. Here we're talking about two Eden. The ain't automation atmo rasha. And a person is not capable in the eyes of the court of making himself into the status of wicked. Vim Toma. Rava, the same Rava over here, who's busy with the statement of Rame Barhamo, he holds that we say Pagin and splice the testimony, the statement. First Eric of Sanhedrin, that testament based, Gabiploni, Ravani Lansoni, says we had a relationship, he and I, and it's a relationship that entails Chiv Misa. He's claiming that it was something that was not under his own duress, so that claim makes him wicked. Rava says, splice it. Similarly, Ploni Baal Ishti. So you can divide these statements, believe part of the story, and not the other part of the story. Imkain, Haha, Nehem. Just like over there, he's not able to testify about his wife. But say on Asia Sage, on a married woman, Rabbi says, divide what he's saying to believe the part that is generating a status of liability, of culpability, and don't believe the part that concerns either Absul of Rasha or Absul of Karo. So therefore, why doesn't Rabbi say, Believe them that they were under duress. 
Even though they said it was money, there you disqualify that aspect of their statement. And don't believe that. Believe that they're Anusim. And take the Hanacha that it was Onis Nefashas. Because Rabbah says, you can divide the, the statement, splice it, say believe part, not the other. Not the part that's invalid. But you don't have to reject the entire testimony. Our sugi is going with Rava. So we should be able to say, Since, as he mentioned earlier, the requirement to validate the document is rabbinic, then we don't invoke the principle that Rava holds up to splice the statement in order to invalidate the document. So in order to, on a Del Raisa level, view the statement as valid testimony for the part that is generating uh, culpability and liability, there Rafa says, say, for this part we'll believe you. But over here, the requirement of Kiyum Hashtar is only Durabanon, so we will not invoke Palgini Dibure to pass the Shtar. The Ode and further, And further, we are not entitled on our own to insert this new claim that there was duress because of the threat to their lives. Because it's rare, as we mentioned earlier, the same reason it's not amigo, it's a rare thing for somebody to threaten their lives if they're not willing to sign on this document. Kidaprecious, as we mentioned earlier. So therefore, the same way that it's rare and there's no amigo, Tosas is saying it's rare and the Bezdin doesn't have the kach to say on something that is not shriach. We don't have Soto. Tosa says it's Shriach. People don't always do what they're supposed to do. Tosa says it's Shriach. Commonplace. They're active. And similarly, when he claims, I killed him. So, it could be someone else killed him. We have what appears to be a murder here. It could be somebody else. It doesn't have to be him. Inami, alternatively. Shiny This is different. Machmas momen, o machmas nefoshes, havi Whether the duress was born out of the threat to their money or their lives, it's essentially coming down to the same understanding. They were under duress. Therefore, we do not splice the testimony. Avo, in contrast, though, Lerzono, Ubal Ishto, Havi Dibrifnasmo. The various components of the story are truly independent. Where Rava does utilize the claim, the, the tool of Palgina Dibur, splicing the, the statement. 
And that doesn't match up to us over here. Over here, the element of duress, whether it's rooted in a threat to their money or a threat to their lives, it's not fundamentally different. Halakhically, it's different whether it's permitted or prohibited, but fundamentally, it, it boils down to duress. Whereas the claim that a crime was committed, but he cannot testify either to his own guilt or about a relative. So in those cases, there are two fundamentally distinct elements of the testimony, and Rava says you can splice it. Inami, alternatively, The primary testimony here is that the witnesses are saying we were under duress. They're coming to say, that they didn't see the lender. It came, if so, miyad osin asman shoyim. They're right away making themselves wicked. Because they signed. Im Unless you introduce a spin on what they're saying, at the face of it, they're declaring themselves wicked. Therefore, it's not relevant and applicable, although Rava does say it over there, not in this case, where essentially, at the face of it, they are saying that they're wicked. Avalahi, they're active, in the case where he confesses, I killed him, the primary testimony is that the man was killed. It's very relevant. His wife is not an agona. She's an almona. But that's the Ike Eidos, the primary testimony is that he was killed. In those cases, similarly, the primary testimony is that this person who committed the crime is guilty of a capital offense. And even though the other elements of the story, he cannot issue a legitimate testimony about it, either, as we said, because he's making himself wicked, or he's a relative, but that's not the primary element of his testimony. The main thing is he's saying, this person is guilty of a capital offense. There we say, splice his statement. And concerning making himself into the status of a Russia, wicked, for those purposes, the side purposes, that he is considered wicked, or concerning his wife, he cannot testify about her guilt. He's not able to testify. She's Karov. His relatives is. So on those points, he's not believed. Let's continue in the Gemara. Tanu Rabbanu. Our sages taught. Ein ne'amonim l'posle. Cannot believe to invalidate it. Divrei Rabbi Meir. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. Rashi. Ein ne'amonim l'posle. Areisha demasnisin polik. Ha'edim she'omru. Ksavyudenu hu avalanusimainu. So, this b'raisa in the name of Rabbi Meir is saying 
against the ratio of the Mishnah. The ratio, the, the first clause of the Mishnah, said when they are the source of verification, the witnesses who signed are the ones who are doing the kiyum, they are testifying, these are our signatures, then they're believed with the Pesha of They have this very strong meal that believe them. Rashi does say it has to be told but Al-Kabanim, Rabbi Meir disagrees. The Chachamim disagree, and they are reflective of the Mishnah. Bishom Rabbanon goes well according to Rabbanon. Because they have this rationale, very strong rationale, that these witnesses are the ones that are making the star by verifying it through their testimony now. Yes, these are our signatures. We did sign it. That part is true, but then immediately undermining it, according to Rashi and Tosos. Again, the Ramam doesn't require it to be immediate. You have a Pesha also Pesha Yitzhak. According to Rabbi Meir, says they cannot passel. My time? What is the rationale? Why does Rabbi Meir say that? What happened to Pesha also Pesha Yitzhak? Bishlomo Suli Edis goes well concerning the claim that they were ineligible to testify. I mean, that we are understanding of that aspect. Because the lender originally has a vested interest to ensure that he has kosher witnesses signing on his document. So this creates an independent source of Mosikos, that this shtar is good, that the lender wants to protect himself, make sure it's a good shtar, good document. So for them to say we were not kosher witnesses is going against the presumption, Chazaka, that these witnesses were kosher and that the lender would ensure that that is the case from the beginning. And signing as minors also. That also we understand. This is in accordance with the teaching of Rishlokish. Witnesses, we have a chazaka that they don't sign on a document unless they are of age. They're not not minors, but kosher witnesses and not too young. So those two, the Gemara is comfortable with. That there's a, an independent degree of Mosikos, of the Shtar, that takes away Pesha Asa Pesha Tirashi, Bishlomo Suli Elus, O Kitanim, Mars content with Rabbi Meir's position on these two accounts, if the witnesses are modifying what they said because they were invalid witnesses or they were minors at the time. Given the Modimheim, Shashtar, Kedin, Nechtav, since they concede 
that the document was written appropriately, that the loan or the transaction was in fact correct and true, but we personally have a problem. We were either not able to testify, some problem, relatives, gambling problem, whatever it is, or minors, and it will therefore be considered like a loan that does not have the backing of a document, just an oral loan. Or if the document is a document used to affect a transaction of real property, then the transaction is meaningless. The claim is they made a transaction using this document and they say, yeah, they went through the motions, but with the document it was invalid because we were not able to be good signatories. We were not kosher witnesses or we were minors at the time. So now their claim is undermining the transaction entirely. Rabbi Meir says they're not believed. If they would be believed, the lender would not cast his money out for nothing. He's going to be careful, make sure he's protected. And when he comes with witnesses to sign on his document that's going to protect him, he's going to make sure that these witnesses are kosher. See that? Tosos. Malva Gufe Medigdaik. The lender is going to ensure that the witnesses are good witnesses. Lerabonon, and according to Rabbonon, not Rabbi Meir, the Rabbonon hold, Afilu, Milvalpe, Lohavi. Rabbonon hold, it's not even a good oral loan. Because in order to be considered testimony that's admissible, that the testimony has to be kosher from the beginning and at the point of testimony, beginning to end, in the middle you could have a hiccup, but you have to have and over here, they are saying there's no and therefore their testimony is invalid even to establish a will not be considered even a known oral loan that does not have a document with the power to create a shiwil and karakol to create a lien on real property it won't even have the, the power of a loan period with their testimony because they're claiming at the time they were invalid. Next, Tosos. Ketanim nami, Minors also, in accordance with what Rabbi Shimon ben Lokish taught. Could have said, Ketanim nami, and minors also, Mishum, the Malvagufe made the There's really no difference between the two. And that Rashi also says, Rashi puts them together, 
And Tosa says that that's really the same chazaka, that the lender is going to protect himself, make sure the witnesses are kosher, which means also making sure they're not minors. The Gemara doesn't actually do that, though. The Gemara invokes a separate rationale for minors in accordance with Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish. It also says it's not really necessary. It could have said the same thing. But the Gemara preferred to say a separate rationale for each of the three cases. Inami, alternatively, Rishlokish, where is he getting this from? How does Rishlokish know that there's a chazaka, that the signatories on the document were kosher witnesses and not minors? It's the same idea. It's because of the Malva. Malva's going to check. You guys uh, really bar mitzvah over here. Baha de lo maisi, the Rishim and Lokish, absolutely edos. Why not bring the teaching of Rabbi Shimon Melokish concerning not just minors, but all Suli Edas, all those who are invalid to testify? Just a simple fact of what he said. He only mentioned minors, even though conceivably it's the same thought process that would be applicable to any other signatories on the document that would not be kosher. He spoke about minors. Continuing the Testament Aleph. Ella Anusim. Now, Gemara is struggling with understanding Rabbi Meir's statement against our Mishnah. Ein Nemonim Apostle. These witnesses are not believed to invalidate the Shtar, this document, when they claim they were Anusim. They say they were under duress. Why are they not believed? My time. What's the reasoning? Om Rav Chista. Rav Chista says, Chesava Rebbe Meir, that Rebbe Meir holds, Eidim she'amru lahem chesmu sheker ve'al tahargo. Rebbe Meir holds that witnesses were threatened. Sign on this false document or be killed. My time, what's the reasoning? Rechista says that Rabbi Meir is of the opinion. Witnesses who are confronted with this choice sign on a lie, sign this document, even though it's false. They see it's false. And don't be killed. Rabbi Meir holds that they should not sign. They should get killed. Be willing to accept death rather than sign their testimony on this document that this transaction really happened. Didn't happen. So, in as much as Anusim Hayino according to Rimeir, says Rav Chista, is never a valid claim, whether it be Nefashis or Maman, it's invalid. They should have given up their lives. So they're not believed. That explains Rav Meir's position. Why Rav Meir says, Ein 
Nehmonim also. Even by Nefoshis. Rashi, Elena Anusim, my time alone. Under duress, why does Rameir say they can't be believed with a new claim? Yes, it's our signature. It's true we signed, but you're under duress. Nemo, Apesha, Aser, Hushit. Why does Rameir not go along with this, this strong rationale? That they're the ones who are establishing this, so believe them when they say it's not correct. This next Rashi is a little out of order. And the Sersa Shas points out. Elin Kei Nase Begadol. This is the teaching of Rish Lokish. Kol Maisa Vishtar, Kol Maisa Hashtar Begadolim Alokeach Ve'amocher. All the participants in this document are adults. The purchaser, the seller. Gabi Eidim Nami Amrinon Chazoka and also concerning the witnesses who are signing on the document. So there's also Chazaka that the purchaser is not going to bring to sign minors. So we have a Chazaka all the way around. This is what Rechissa said. In understanding Rabbi Meir, when they're confronted with Ones of Nefashas, a threat of their, on their lives, they don't sign. Therefore, it doesn't help them to say that they're continuing the Gemara. Amar le Rava. Rava responds to what Rechista said. Hashtag. You also come on, Lamluche. Now, if these witnesses or potential witnesses would come to us to ask us, Rabbi, I'm looking for my local Orthodox rabbi. What's the Allah? What should I do? I have a problem. This guy's threatening my life. Should I sign the document? It's not true. What should I do? Amrinilu, Zilu, Hasumu, Lo Tiskatlum. We would tell him, both of them, Go, sign, and don't get killed. Domamar, as the Master stated, Nothing stands in the face of the threat, loss of life, other than the cardinal sins of idolatry, the Gilgariahs, and Illegal acts of intimacy, and bloodshed, just these three areas, these cardinal sins, do we say a person should rather give up their life than violate them? Hashta, the Hasma Rinlu, Amai, Hasmisa. How could it be? that now that we have told them that this is what they should do, then we'll turn around and say, why did you sign? You Rishon, that can't be. So he's essentially arguing on the premise of Rav Chista. saying, we don't hold this way. We will not tell them 
that they should get killed rather than sign the falsehood to do witnesses on this document to something that never took place. And therefore, how can you fault them for signing? So rather, what is the reason of Rabbi Meir? Once you say that that's not correct, the claim that Rabbi Chisda said, rather, Rabbi Meir is holding like Rabbi Meir, in the name of Rab. The Amar, Rabbi Meir, in the name of Rab said, that he agrees and concedes in a document that was written, does not need kiyum. Santosus, multiple times there's a requirement of kiyum shtaros to validate the document. And Rabbi Meir does not require that. No need for kiyum. Rashi. Moda b'shtar shekosvu. Lova shehoda b'shtar shekosvu. Valtiv. The borrower admitted in this document that was written and he conceded that this is correct and on his word the witnesses signed The lender does not need to bring validation for this document. The Rebbe says, in such a case, there's no need for this rabbinic requirement of Kiyom Ashtar, because the Love, the borrower, who this document is laying a claim against, he already did the job. He said, it's, it's true. So therefore, the lender has no need to do Kiyomashtar, to, to validate this document. As she says, Be'edim, he doesn't need to bring independent witnesses, Chsumimbo, that signed on it. At this point, the borrower cannot change his tune in terms of what he's claiming, once he said, yes, it's valid, he can't then say, oh, but I paid. And in this case, we will not say, since everything rests on his shoulders, the borrower is how we know that it's legitimate. So when the borrower says, I paid, believe him. Once he said it was a true and valid document, now the document has its own two legs. It stands on its own. And now when he says, I paid, he's not believed. Who's holding it? The lender is holding this document. And if the lender is holding the document, that is quite a smoking gun over here. It certainly doesn't sound like the borrower actually paid and retired the debt, because otherwise he would have gotten the document back. The fact that the lender is still holding the document indicates that his claim that he paid is not correct. So he does not have a Peshaz or Peshahitin. 
Mer nami de Amar Ainemonim Baposlo Bimode Loba Shikaspakama and Rameyer also who says these witnesses are not believed to invalidate the document is talking about a case where the borrower was the source of substantiation and validation of this document. And there's no further need for these witnesses to say, yes, these are our signatures. We're not working and depending on their mouths to establish this document as valid. It's a different mahalach. Another reason how to explain Rabbi Meir that doesn't come on to what Rav Chista said that it's Yahar Vayavar essentially the person who would need to give up his life rather than sign falsely on a document that obligates a person to pay in a manner that is A violating the prohibition of false testimony and B aiding and abetting theft. So this seems to be itself a point of contention. Does Rabbi Meir hold as Yehar Vayavar or not? Christus says yes, it's Yehar Vayavar, and therefore they're not believed. The Anusimayinu doesn't matter, even if it was at the threat of Nefashas, they're making themselves Roshayim. Nirban has two Mahalchim on that, he, in the first Mahalach, downplays it and says, very unusual Svara, it's hard to understand, that it's not fully in Aramisim Asmurasha, because it's not a Rishus, it's just not a Chasidus. And in Aramisim Asmur, not a Chasid. A person can't establish himself not to be a Chasid, which is pretty mind blowing, that if he's not making himself a Rasha, so why should that be a form of? Invalidation, not really saying anything so negative about himself. So it's not a chassid. Okay. No, it's not a chassid. The second mahalach, l'chers moral derech, abshad, more poshit, what he's saying. That it means it. That's that's what Rabbi Meir is learning. That in our mismatzmod Russia. That it would be erishus because of Yehar Vayavar. Because he has to give up his life rather than engage in gazel or even aiding and abetting gazel theft. Let's see Tosus. Chazaka ein hu. Halcha mashma delom rinon miku b'makom chazaka. But here it sounds like we don't say emigu. Believe him when he says one claim, because he could have said another stronger claim against the Chazaka. Against this Chazaka of a person not putting on the star a minor. Sounds like this itself is, is an issue. Tosa says, I don't really understand. This is a question raised in the first chapter of Baba Basra, Hey Mabe, 
and it's not resolved. Concerning the case where the lender makes the claim, the borrower needs to pay up after the loan is due. And the borrower says, I paid you within the time frame. I paid you before the loan was due. So in that circumstance, we have a conflict between Migul and Chazaka that is a presumption. Chazaka is ein adam pre'etokhzmanah. person took a loan, he needed the money, he pays up when it's due, not in advance. That's the Chazaka. On the other hand, he has a Migul, could have said, I paid you in time. He, he's the one who told us he paid early. So believe him when he says he paid early, which is against the Chazaka. It's unusual. Believe him because he could have said I paid on time. On this Nakuda, this Chazaka, in Anapret of Zmano, he pays Chov within early, earlier than the due date. So Shirkin said, Akla Godo, that the Chazakos of Shas don't necessarily applied this manenu. He said, for example, this is a classic example, he said, the chazaka today is enanam v'reya. He said that tells man. The chazaka today is enanam v'reya. He said the guy's paying. That's the chazaka today. He said that tells man. Enanam v'reya. Okay? So you have to know each chazaka, if it's currently applicable. Al-Kopanim, Tosas doesn't understand that it's a boy's lo'if shita, it's a question that's not resolved. So, He's not sure what's going on over here. Let's see the next Tosfos. Rava's objection to Rav is that how could Rav Meir say he should go with his life? Not one of the three cardinal sins. Pirush. Even the one who is stringent, he's only stringent about these three. Why is Tosfos being pushed to say this? Let's rub a speaking over here. We've worked with this issue before in Tosos about Pagina We have another Rava in Shas. What does Rava hold? Rava, for his position, is of the opinion that even these three cardinal sins, if it's Bitsina, if it's in a private venue, not Bitsibur, it's not in a quorum. So then, even these three cardinal sins, Rava holds, he doesn't have to give up his life. That's not the mitzvah of Kedushem, or the Aveira of Chilul Hashem. This is a Gemara, Masechah of Arazar, Perak for Bishmol, Daphne, Dalad, and Aleph. Ve'en chiluk ve'en hanach l'shar, According to Rava, there's no difference really between these three sins and any other mitzvah avera. When I say mitzvah, meaning in a case where they can't force him, lachera, he doesn't make this differentiation. Rava holds that the only question is when somebody is threatening a Jew's life, do this avera or be killed. Rav has one question, not what is the Avera. Rav's question is, who's watching? If it's if a hesiot, it's public, then he says, person needs to give up his life. 
rather than transgress. So Rava does not hold of what he's saying over here. So Tulsa says he means according to those that do say this. Even those who do say this, but there's a limit. They don't say Gazel, or they don't say it would apply to signing on the Shtar, the Sheker, false testimony. Rashi, Baba Kamo, Samach Mabez says, last Rashi, Hasila, Shalis Rafur, Hold the Osir Lahatilas Atmo, Maman Chavero. Rashi says it's Osir for a person to save himself with his, the money of his friend. He can't save himself with someone else's money. That's Rashi's opinion. Tosus says a little different. Does he need to pay? But not fundamentally, is he allowed to take someone else's money to save his life? If he does it, does he have to pay? Rashi says it's also. Rashi seems to line up with Rabbi Meir over here, as presented by Rabbi Chista, that it will be also. L'chera. Meaning these witnesses who are aiding and abetting the Gazal by signing falsely that one party owes the other, is it, or sold a property, whatever the case is, they are facilitating giving credence to a false transaction. And Rabbi Meir says, according to Rabbi Christo, that it's Yohar Vayava. They cannot save themselves with their friend's money. Mikveh Eger is assigned to Tosus. So to Dafyur Amin Beis. Dibber Maskal Noach Lo. Noach Lo Adam. Better, more pleasant for a person to make himself fall into a fiery furnace, which is not very pleasant, obviously. This is as stated in Bab Metziah, Nunches Mebez, everybody who falls into purgatory does ascend. Chutz Mishlosha, with the exception of three. One of the three is one who publicly humiliates his friend. The Omen Nami, and it says also over there, Nun Testament Aleph, Nochol Adam, Shil Safikeshazish, the Al Yabin Pnechaveir Barabin. Better that he should transgress on a Safik. Safik Isr Eshazish, rather than violate this precept, not embarrassing his friend publicly. Minolon, how do we know this? Midavid, this is learned from David Amalek. Venire haid lochashiv lei v'hadei gimel averis she'en omdim mitnei pikoach nefesh and that which the chomer, the stringency of this iser of malbim pnei chaver berabim publicly humiliating one's friend so terrible, 
Why is it not listed next to the other three cardinal sins? Meaning, Why is not in the list? It's because it's not mefurish in the Torah. It's not explicit in the Torah. Tosa says, which, when we might make, make, we've got a list over here, the three cardinal sins, what's in the list? Only something that is explicit in the Torah. But embarrassing one's friend publicly, it's awesome. It's very awesome. Goes down to Gehenim, doesn't come up, pretty terrible. But it's not Mephorish in the Torah. It's just shocking news. So bad, not Mephorish in the Torah. Wow. But the list requires only things that are explicit in the Torah. That's Tosus's answer. So, the Lechera, other Terutzim in Roshonim, by the way, Rabbeinu Yonah learns, it's Abizrael, Ritzicha. So, therefore, it is included Ba'atzem in this three. It, it's included in the orbit of murder. Embarrassing one's friend publicly is a type of draining his blood from, from him. He's, he's mortified, is the word in English. Made dead. So it's Abizrael, according to Rabbeinu Rapopon Tosa doesn't have that for an answer. Tosa says, no, the list only includes what's mafurish in the Torah. It's explicit, nothing else. Other Rishonim are mafurish against Rashi. This, this Tosa's is mashma, not like Rashi. But mafurish against Rashi that says the person can't be matzal himself with Mom Havero, even if his life depends on it. That's the sack from the, from the rush, the tour, Shulchan Aruch, in various forms, slight nuances, but the idea that is brought is that a person may not save himself if he doesn't have reasonable, full, reasonable intentions of paying back. That's the qualification. Even though somebody who is a thief with intentions to pay has violated Sigzal, he is stealing. But when he pays back, he's monastic to love. So they hold that's that then he would be allowed to save himself. Rashi doesn't hold of that. Yesh Lodun in this case. Over here, when they are facilitating, the, the witnesses are facilitating the Gazel by their role of giving substantiation, right? a document with witnesses that says that the transaction took place, which never took place. So, would it be considered a chlal, a nituk? Maybe this is worse. Maybe they cannot undo, even if they have a mind to pay back. Normally a guy steals or damages, he can pay back and undo. For sure if he steals. But over here, 
they are facilitating somebody else's death. It's like a grumble. They're causing somebody else to be able to get away with this by their signatures, giving the veneer of legality to this transaction that never really took place. So if they pay back, if they give, and they save their lives, and now they want to take from their own assets and give the victim, would that be considered the monatic? I don't know. Meaning, are, are they over on the Isser Gezel? They have testimony. There's a false testimony. We find other places that the witnesses are in, included in the violation like by Ribis. Witnesses are included in the prohibition of Ribis, that they are part and parcel of the transaction of the usury that is prohibited. Are they part and parcel of the Gezel or not? Is it considered undoing the theft if they pay back? Or is it just a gift? If the witnesses pay up, they go home, they take the money, they say, well, we're glad we got out of there alive. They go to the victim and say, here, paying you for this false transaction. Does that pay for the theft? Does the villain, in our case, is he absolved? Because, hey, they, the victim was paid? Or a stun, they gave him a gift. Felt bad. Is it monatic? I don't know. I'll go upon him. It, it could be it's subject to a machlokas. It could be perhaps even worse than a regular case of gazel in terms of the, the question of Yahweh Yavuk. They cannot undo. But clearly, the Gemara, the Rava brings, is, is rejecting that claim of Rechista. He says it's not. It's not included in Yahweh Yavuk. Rava makes a very clear determination against what Rechista says, the name of Rabbi Meir. He says it would not be Hargleyava. So, okay, this is a machlokas between Rechista and Rava to know exactly what they are arguing about. Bechlal, Yeshitus Rabbi Meir, Lalacha here, not Lalacha. Copy this Indian, Yahargleyava, if, if it's not lalacha, so then, which it, it would seem, from the fact that we do seem to differentiate between Onis Mamad versus Onis Nefashos, so how does Rashi understand that it's also the Hatzil Asma of Mamad Shachaveru? To figure out what Rashi is doing exactly. Rashi is mashma that's la'alacha. Perhaps this is not worse but better in a certain sense. That it's it's not being matzal asma They're grama. They're causing a gezel. Not doing the gezel themselves. Maybe that's better than actually being matzal asma It's indirect. Actually, I should be machalic that way. I don't know. Okay, continuing in the Gemara. Amalei Rav Nachman. Nuvo Gnuvi. Why are you stealing over here? 
sneaking around. If you hold like Rimeir, just be a man. Say the Allah is like Rimeir. Omar lay, and he responded to him, Umar, and the master had as he hold. When we have litigants coming before us for judgment, we say to them, Go and be Mekayim Yishtaros. Then come to judgment. First, get validation of your documents. Then come to judgment. Omar, Rabbi Yehuda Omar Rab. Rabbi Yehuda says the name of Rab. One who says this document is not representing a true transaction, it was written in advance of any transaction, and an Emma is not believed. Who is the one who is saying this but does not believe? If it is the borrower, that's obvious. Does he have the power to influence the borrower? Can he say, you have what looks like a good star? And the borrower says, no, nah, it never really happened. He's not in a position to say that. The, the star is a lien against him, his assets. The Elodicomer Malve. Rather, say it's the lender. So then he should receive blessing. If he's being forthright and saying, the truth is, this document, this loan document, the star mono, didn't really happen. So, very nice. This Malve is being honest, why should he not be believed? So rather, say it's the Edim who are talking. If their signatures come from another place, we don't need the testimony now to validate the signatures. Certainly, they would not be believed to say If there's no independent way to verify that these are their signatures, why shouldn't they be believed? Say that you're relying on them to validate the star. Say this is a true document that they signed on, but they're saying we signed, but it wasn't a true document. Really, it is the borrower who is speaking and is not believed. And this is in accordance with Rav Huna, the Amr Rav Huna, Amr Rav. Rav Huna said the name of Rav. Then he concedes that in a document that was written, if the Love admitted to the transaction, this he agrees he was a borrower, there's no need for further kiyom. That was Rava's statement we said earlier of when Rabbi Meir says, that the witnesses are not able to invalidate the document. Abai works the other way. He says, no, we're going about, talking about the lender. The lender says it was a shtarmon. Why is he not believed? Why don't we say, let him receive a blessing. He's saying that the borrower doesn't really own the money. What could be better than that? 
Well, if there are other creditors that he owes money to, so this could jeopardize their ability to collect. And if he's not able to get this money, so they're, they're not going to be able to collect from him. So it's not just a matter of being nice to the borrower, but if the lender says, the borrower doesn't have to pay me, if somebody else is going to lose out, so he's not with and this is in accordance with Rabbi Nason, Titania, Rabbi Nason, Omer, the Bryce, Rabbi Nason says, Where do we know that one who is a, credit, a, a creditor to his friend, Mona, to the amount of a Mona, so one person lends to the other, and then that person in turn lends to another. How do you know? You can bypass the middle party and just go from the final party back to the original party. That, that you can say that the cut out the middleman essentially. The notion is that give to the one who is actually due the money. Pasek, and it's also Lechera, Apiseichel. It's interesting, he's bringing up Pasek. Lechera, it's Seichel to say that you should be able to cut out the middleman because the, the actual tr train of this debt can be settled directly. Lechera. It's interesting to bring the Pasek. Ravashi has a third interpretation as we entertained all three possibilities. There's an opinion supporting all three with a spin, each one. Ravashi says, the Edom are the one who say, this is Shtar Mona. And the case is that there's no other independent means of verifying their signatures. And as we said, why do they not believe? Why is that they're not believed? Why don't we say, in accordance with the teaching of Kahana, the Amr of Kahana, also lo the Adam sheishash taramona b'soch beiso. That this claim that the witnesses are making that it was a taramona, that is a claim that makes them guilty. As Rav Kahana taught, it's prohibited for a person to keep a taramona in his home. This false document that claims a transaction took place that didn't really take place. Don't have dwelling in your tent something that is not straight. The Omar of Sheshes, Breder of Idi, Rav Sheshes, the son of Rav Idi, said, derived from here, from the teaching of Rav Kano, witnesses who say, that the context was of this this uh, testimony was amona enema they're not believed it looks like a good star they are trying to say it wasn't they're not believed my time what's the reasoning give the avlo since it is something that's crooked avlo not allowed to sign on something that's crooked how could they do it 
Amar Rabbi Yishuv ben Levi also lo adam sheishash tar paru abzof meiso. Rabbi Yishuv ben Levi said it's prohibited for somebody to hold a document testifying that a debt is in force when actually it was paid off. He can't keep that in his house. So the lender has to give the borrower back this document. Mishum shneimar al tashkem ba'alecho avlo because of this verse. In the West, in Eretz Yisrael, in the name of Rav, they said, If there is something that is sinful in your hands, so distance it. This is describing this document that looks kosher, but is really presenting things that did not take place. And Shtar Pasim. To understand the difference between Ishtar Amona and Ishtar Pasim, let's take a look back on your Testament Aleph. Now she explains Ishtar Amona. The borrower didn't borrow anything. Rather, he wrote a Ishtar document, and he gave it over to the lender, the potential lender, in the event that he needs to borrow. He'll be able to borrow right away. And he trusts the lender. Because I know the lender is honest. He's not going to bring me to, to court saying pay up because he and I both know this document is not actually legitimate, but he's got it ready in the event that I want to borrow. We don't have to waste time with getting it set up. It's ready to go. So that's Shtar Amono. Shtar Pasim. The Sersa Shas explains. Pirush. So this star is another invalid document, like Shtaramona. Not precisely the same. Rashi explains the Shtaramona is the Love trusting the Malve. The loan hasn't taken place, but he wants to be ready to borrow at a moment's notice. The Shtarpasim is a pius. It's a type of appeasement that he should lend him with a star. Not that he's trying to not that he's trying to make the transaction happen quickly when he's ready, but that he's trying to gain rapport with the lender. Either way, we're talking about a document that was never valid. And Rabbi Shubin Levi says it's also for a person, it's prohibited for a person to maintain the type of document that's not valid. A document that has already been paid off in his home because of this verse. Different part of the verse. If there's something that is crooked inside of your hand, distance it. Something that is invalid, that's, that's wrong. So distance it. You should not maintain it. These two types of shards that never were valid.
Baal Tashkin Baalecha Avlo Zeshtaparu. And the part of the verse that says, Do not keep, maintain in your tent something that is crooked, that is referring to a document that has already been paid up. So the loan was an old loan. The document should not be by the lender at this point. The one who says that the prohibition is referring to a document that has already been paid, all the more so shtaramana, a document that never was valid to begin with. The one who says the verse is referring to a document that was never good, but if a document was paid, then it's not necessarily prohibited. Why is that? Sometimes he will hold on to it in order to have the scribe collect his due. So in order to make sure that the scribe gets paid, if the borrower was the one who needs to pay for the scribe, did not have cash at the time, he needed a loan, that was the situation, so the scribe needs to be paid so until the borrower can get the document the scribe is holding on to it or perhaps by the lender but the idea is that there can be at times a justification for holding on to the document even if it's not valid anymore but as a collateral let's see Rashi they cannot make themselves wicked, cannot believe to say that they signed on a document that is an avlo. Avshite de Safra, Sha'al Halove Liten Schar Hasofen. It is the borrower's responsibility to pay for the wage of the scribe who's drawing up the document. Famim She'emel, sometimes he doesn't have. Venosno Hamalve, and the lender pays. For this charge, and he collects it at the time of the retiring of the debt. And he holds the document by him. So this is to make sure that he gets not just the payment for the loan, but also the payment that he laid out for the scribe. That's how Rashi explains. The Malvet, the lender, laid out the money. And holding on to this document is a collateral to make sure that not only is the debt paid up, but also the money for the scribe. So according to the second opinion, the lender has the right to hold on to it, even though it's not a true document at this point, because the money's been paid up. But there is an outstanding debt, and he's allowed to hold on to it as collateral concerning that outstanding debt that pertains to this loan, the scribal fee. Tosus. Im oven means that it was in its inception a document of falsehood. And do not have dwelt in your tent. Something that's crooked. This is referring to a document that represents a debt that was already paid. Right now, it's crooked. Originally, it was true. It used to be accurate. Now, when it's been paid up, so it doesn't reflect the reality. 
sheets aid the sapphire. Sometimes he holds on to it in order to collect the scribal fee that the lender, as we saw, wants to collect the scribal fee from the borrower. So it's not called an avlo, something that is inherently wrong. The shita that says shtar parua is, is the avlo, he should have been careful. Don't say that just holding on to it as a collateral for the outstanding scribal debt is in of itself something that is sinful. He has not done anything wrong per se. The problem is if he then tries to use it to collect again for the principle of the debt. That is, is using this in a manner that's false. But if he hasn't done anything like that, so it's not appropriate, says Tosos, to already call it an avlo. He has not been pushed yet. He has the potential to, but he has not done anything inherently as a pesha. It might was taught. Sofesh a a a book that has not been checked. Perhaps there are errors in it. Until 30 days, a person is allowed to maintain such a safer in their home. But from that point, it's prohibited. Again, on this verse, Do not dwell, have dwell in your tent something that is an avlo. The safer has problems. Rashi says, Sefer Rashi explains that there are errors in it that need to be fixed. So you can't allow it to stay. It's something that is presenting itself as Tanakh, and yet there are errors in it that need to be fixed. You can't hold on to that. Ikvias is considered 30 days for many things in Shas. And for this as well, the status of it being dwelling in the tent is achieved after 30 days. So it is an Avla has to get out, has to be fixed. Or sent out whatever it is, you can't hold on to it beyond that point.